You're listening to the YPO Networks Podcast. YPO in my form helped me with an additional $15 million in value. And so when I think YPO, I think there's real business value as well as all of the social value and the, the family and, and everything else associated with YPO. My life is so much more effective because of what I've learned through YPO. YPO has been important in my life in, in a lot of different ways, both professionally, personally, family. I have this job uh, that I have and I love because of YPO. In this episode, Ann Cheng, the business network director at the construction industry at YPO, sits down with Tim Draper. Tim Draper founded Draper Associations in July 1985 which, when joined by John Fisher and Steve Hervitson, became the venture capital firm Draper Fisher Hervitson, now DFJ. Investments include Skype, Hotmail, Tesla, Baidu, and Overture, among many others. He is the creator of Viral Marketing, a marketing method for spreading a software application from customer to customer, instrumental to the success of Hotmail and Skype, among hundreds of others including Gmail and Yahoo Mail. He founded the DFJ Draper Network, a global network of venture funds who work together to improve service to entrepreneurs covering 30 cities around the world. He also founded Draper University in 2012 with a vision and belief that in order to change the world, we have to change education. He has been listed as number 46 of the most outstanding Harvard alumni, number 7 on the Forbes Midas list, number 1 most network venture capitalist by Always On, and number 98 on the 2014 Worth Magazine 100 Most Powerful People in Finance. He has won numerous awards and honors and is regularly featured in the press as a leading supporter of entrepreneurship. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is In the Spotlight with Tim Draper. And now, your host, Ann Cheng. Hello and welcome to our YPO Networks podcast. Today, I have an exciting guest with me. Um, it is uh, Timothy Draper, the founder of Draper University and Draper Associates, famed investor and entrepreneur. Tim, thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. And I've been a big fan of YPO all the way through from Great. the very beginning. In fact, I was around when you got when this thing started. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Tim, for being YPO's with us. YPO's got to be a big deal. Great. Tim, tell us a little bit about your early investment career with DFJ. What did you look out back then when you were starting to invest in technology? Well, we were, we, I haven't really changed my mode of operation. Um, we're always looking for companies that are, um, have this extraordinary entrepreneur who really wants to do something really big with their life um, that has great ambition and, and great drive. Uh, and we want to make sure that they're taking some interesting new technology and applying it to a market that's going to be big. Um, and the size of the market turns out to be as big an, an issue as any, any other thing. So we really want great people. We want to fund uh, big markets, and we want to use unique technology that's being applied to those markets. So that's basically what we've been doing for all these years. And, uh, and I did that through from when we were Draper Associates through DFJ and back to being Draper Associates again. We've had a long career, um, 
back something like uh, 35 unicorns from inception. And, uh, and it's been a fabulous career. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm still at it, uh, still love it. And uh, in fact, now with the, the interesting new technologies that are coming on board, I'm even more invigorated about the business. I think it's sort of a perfect time for venture capital. Great. Let's talk about generational success. What did your father do and what are you doing to ensure generational success in the Draper family? Well, that's great. My grandfather was the first venture capitalist in the Silicon Valley, and my dad was a great pioneer of venture capital. Um, and he funded a lot of very interesting companies and did very, very well. Um, and then I brought it globally. I, I decided that my mission in life was to spread entrepreneurship and venture capital throughout the world. And, uh, and I think the, the message I could give to everyone about passing something on to their, the next generation is uh, come home excited about what you do. Uh, I think all, three of my four children have become venture capitalists as a result of how excited I was because I just kept coming home saying, oh, God, I saw this company. So exciting. Things are really interesting. It might change our whole future. I get them all excited, and they go, oh, wow, this, what he does is fun. Um, and, uh, and so I think that it, that's true with whatever you do, whether you're uh, you know, a plumber, an electrician, a gardener, a, a venture capitalist, a a consultant or you you're, you've run a company the way most IPO people have done um, make it clear to your kids how excited you are about what you do and they will latch on to that and it won't it, you can't tell them I'm excited about this you have to bring it home Absolutely. You've invested a lot in education as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about Draper University of Heroes and how it came to shape your view of what education can be as a platform for good? Yeah, I think um, education is uh, clearly the most important thing any of us do, unless you're breaking new ground scientifically or something, or you're an entrepreneur. That's probably the the best thing you can possibly do. Um, and I, when I started a school, um, well, I had been very active in education before. I, I saw that the education system uh, run by the teachers unions has really slid over the last 50 years, for me, at least in California, from first in the world to 50th in the world. Um, and, uh, and it needed uh, a spark of some sort. And I thought a market system would be great. The parents choose the school that's right for their kids and the money follows the parent. Well, uh, politically, that was absolutely blown up by a very powerful teachers union. Uh, and then I got uh, interested again. I, I've gone through a series of different things. And then I thought, well, the best way to do this is to lead by example. And so I started my own university and, uh, and I thought, well, why don't I just teach entrepreneurship? Cause that's something I know. And so I created this school and, uh, the biggest surprise was that it worked, uh, that 
starting a school wasn't uh, wasn't an impossible feat. Uh, of course, now with coronavirus, they've shut me down. But uh, we, up until that point, we had had 1,200 students. They had come from 86 different countries. They had started 400 companies. They um, they were uh, some of them. One had become a unicorn. One had become sent uh, a centaur, <laughs> uh, and uh, and many of them had become deck deck towers um, where they're worth ten to a hundred million dollars. This school really did create a thousand or twelve hundred entrepreneurs, people who were going to just take the world by storm and go. Um, and it's not like we teach, oh, this is what a series A is or a series B, or here's how you pitch. We did a little bit of pitching the entrepreneur, the venture capitalists, but what we mostly did was, who are you? What are you capable of? And then we'd push them to be more capable of more than that. And, uh, and they, they had to work in teams, which no school does, but every school should. Uh, because we work in teams when we get out of school. Uh, nobody does it on their own. Absolutely. Uh, and so we did. We changed the whole nature of what schooling was, what education was. And now I think we poked a hole in the balloon of education. It has been blown up as like something really that, that is untouchable. And now we realize that, hey, they don't do a very good job for the money they take. And, uh, and we have, uh, that's been one of the little benefits of being able to create a school is to sort of show that the emperor has no clothes at the other, on the other side. Great. Um, Tim, thank you so much for being with us today. One final question. What change do you hope to see in today's world? I think that in today's world, the most exciting thing that's happened is that Bitcoin uh, created, Bitcoin was a part of three technologies. One is the currency, one is the blockchain, which is a perfect record of everything that happens. And one is smart contracts. And then with artificial intelligence, all sorts of things become popular. Well, what that's done is it's decentralized the world. Uh, we now have a currency, a world currency, a currency that permeates all the borders. Uh, we were always very tribal before. We were always tied to a geographic area. The internet started to break that apart. And now that a currency has is, is broken it apart, people are realizing it, that we're all one big globe here. And, uh, and the tribalism was, is a relic of the past. It's a, it's a way of thinking where people felt safer when they were protected from other sets of people who had different sets of rules and li lives and that sort of thing. Well, now around the world, we've pretty much, we pretty much all operate under the same uh, general set of rules. Uh, different people don't follow them as well as others, but, uh, and that has created a free market around the world and that free market is booming. And when the tribals, the people who are, in government and they want to keep it the way it is uh, when they when they act and they say we're going to create a trade war or a barrier that cuts 
these relationships that we've built over all this time. And so I think that it's very important for us to, to push forward toward a global world, a world where the customs office becomes a relic of the past, where, where governments compete for you. Uh, they, they provide services for you. In fact, I could create most of government services with Bitcoin, the blockchain, smart contracts, and artificial intelligence, because most of what government does is an insurance business. Uh, it's healthcare insurance, it's welfare, it's the uh, workman's comp insurance, it's, uh, it's uh, employment insurance. That's getting to be a big one. <laughs> Boy, everybody's unemployed now. Um, but, but that's what government does. Well, you can create a smart contract that says you pay these premiums over this period of time. And then there's a claim. Whenever you have a claim, we pay the claim. But first we check with artificial intelligence to see if, yes, your house did burn down. We see that with a satellite image. Or, yes, there's data that says that the hurricane blew at 130 miles an hour through your street. So we believe that that, that, that truck of yours has been turned over. I, I think that then we can, then we can uh, turn this whole thing into uh, a very fluid, very uh, consumer-friendly uh, way of thinking where governments compete for us. Uh, and I think that's the way they really need to be if they want to be really effective for people. If you really want great governments, they have to be, feel the heat of competition. Uh, and they have to feel accountable for the things they do. Uh, imagine being the government right now. This is a, tr a treacherous time for a government. Short term, yes, you need to save as many lives as possible. Long term, every extra week you keep people in, uh, in lockdown, you are, you're probably creating another year of a recession where it was, and probably another five or 10 million people unemployed. Uh, those can turn into even more deaths than the virus can, can turn into. So you've got to sort of, I mean, it's a very difficult, they're, they're walking a very fine line, all these governments. And, uh, and it's nice that we have many of them to, uh, to grab the data from each of them. Uh, but I think we're one world. We're all different. We've all got different points of view and a, uh, ways of operating and all that. And it's the beauty of the world. It's a thousand, it's a eight billion flowers out there. But it, um, but we're also um, really a part of one great globe. And, uh, and I think once we start to recognize that, once we start using Bitcoin, start using uh, decentralized uh, uh, content, once we decentralize more and more things, uh, we're going to feel much more connected to each other. And, uh, and all of us will benefit in a big way. So thanks for having me. Thank you, Tim, for being on our show today. The, again, this was Tim Draper, famed entrepreneur and investor. Um, and thanks very much for being on our show. Welcome to YPO's podcast.
Thank you for listening to the YPO Networks podcast. If you or your organization would like to be featured on the podcast, please write to Ann Cheng. That's A-C-H-E-N-G at YPO.org.